almost lost the cup and you win it. The new European champions, the treble, the dream come true for you. Oh, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Football, by the hell. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 11 of the Golden Boot Podcast. I'm Chris Williams. I'm JP Rios. And there's a lot going on this week. A lot, a lot. So let's start. Let's just dive right in to the Premier League. You had your whole recap of it. Just go ahead. I'll let you be. Yeah, we'll try to fly through this since, like you said, there's a ton of news this week to go through. Uh, so first game, Liverpool 7, Crystal Palace nil. I mean, Liverpool absolutely thrashing them. They came into the game in first, point, uh, first place with 28 points and... My, oh my, did they put on a show. Minamino, Mane, Bobby Firmino had two goals. Henderson scored, and Mo Salah had two goals. And the thing about this performance is that all of the goals were quality. They weren't just, like, tap-ins or, like, it, 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 they were really, really quality goals. Like, if you look back and you see Mo Salah's goals, he's, like, curling it in from outside of the box. And they never took their foot off the gas, which was really impressive. And it just shows why they're in first place. Uh, second game is Man City 1, Southampton 0. Uh, coming into this game, Southampton were in third place with 24 points. And City were in ninth with 20, which shows how deep the Premier League is this year. And, you know, it was pretty, pretty impressive to see Southampton in the top four. Sterling scored the only goal of the game in the 16th minute. It wasn't really that exciting of a game. But um, City are 538's favorite to win the Premier League this year with four, a 42% chance to win. And they moved up one place to eighth. And they now have 23 points. And Southampton dropped to seventh. So that's a huge, huge thing. And that just shows how close every team is in the top 10 in terms of points because Southampton dropped from third to seventh, like, just like that in one game. And now to my favorite game of the weekend, United 6, Leeds 2. Coming into the game, uh, United were in 6th place with 23 points. uh, And Leeds were in 13th with 17 points. And this is just the renewal of a very old derby. This is one of the most historic derbies in English football. Um, Probably the fiercest in the Northwest. These two teams, these two counties really hate each other. It's the first time in 16 years that they have actually faced each other in the Premier League. So you knew it was going to be an intense battle, and that's exactly what we got. The scoreline might not show up, but that's exactly what we got. Uh, Leeds' man-to-man defensive structure uh, really allowed United to make penetrating runs into gaps, into space, and dominate the game. It was a very open, back-and-forth, exciting game. I was really just on the edge of my seat the whole entire time. Scott McTominay, of all people, Uh, Scored a brace within the first three minutes, becoming the first Premier League player to score two goals in the first three minutes. Um, And I guess that's why he has the nickname Mick Sauce, which I will never get on board with. Bruno scored a brace. Uh, One of them was a penalty, of course. Lindelof scored from a corner, which was nice to see. And Dan James uh, made the keeper in his first start since October, which I was very happy to see. He got the start. Um, Leeds was a team he was linked to before he signed with United so it's just really nice to see him get back on the field and to score against a team who he has history with now United are in third place with 26 points uh, jumping three three positions and they're only four points behind Liverpool right now and only one point behind Leicester who are in second place so 
they could be serious title contenders this year. And Leeds dropped from 11th place to 14th place. And I just want to add just quickly, I, a friend of ours uh, has his own YouTube channel podcast, Fergie, the Fergie Time podcast. Aiden Ferguson, what a guy. Uh, one of his posts, he set, posted the um, full lineup, and he was like, this is my lineup, what would you change? And I straight up said, remove everybody, leave Scott McScotty. Just let him do his thing. And after the game, I was like, I, I called it. I'm, my predictions are on point, so... I yeah. call Scott nominate for Ballon d'Or in a few years. So I would never say that again, please. But his first goal was actually similar to the goal that we saw him score against Club Bruges, right outside the box, first time, right into the bottom right corner. It was brilliant. Um, that's the only time I. Yeah, it's the only time I plan to say that Scott McTominay had a brilliant performance. <clears throat> and lastly, um, Everton moved up from fifth place to fourth place with a 2-1 win against a terrible Arsenal side. And Tottenham fell from second place to sixth place thanks to a 2-0 loss to Leicester City, who are now in second. And here's just a quick breakdown of the top 10. Uh, Liverpool are in first with 31 points. And just to give you a, uh, an overview of things, West Ham, who are in 10th, have 21. So it's really close um, in the top 10. So Liverpool, 31 points. Leicester City, second, 27 points. United, third, 26 points. Everton, fourth, 26 points. Chelsea, in fifth, 25 points. Tottenham, sixth, 25 points. Southampton, seventh, 24 points. Man City, eighth, with 23 points. Aston Villa, ninth with 22 points, and West Ham, 10th, 21. It's incredible to see how tight this title race is midway through the season, and I'm just excited to continue to watch the Premier League and see what unfolds the rest of the year. Yeah, and now on to another tight title race. I think most leagues in Europe are having a pretty tight title race so far, but the Bundesliga, we had Union Berlin play against Dortmund, which was, it was a good game, it was a tight game. Dortmund lose 2-1 to Union Berlin, which now makes me feel much better about buying time against Union Berlin earlier. Uh, Union Berlin have been playing pretty well, but yeah, it's 2-1. I mean, the biggest thing, not only is Dortmund just falling behind with this, but we had Yusufa Mukoko who scored like for Dortmund, and he's the youngest player in Bundesliga history. He's 16 years old, 28 days as of scoring that goal, so... That was a huge – he was, like, called, like, a wonder kid for uh, Dortmund and everything. So, I think it's exciting for Dortmund, for Dortmund fans to have him and actually, like, score right off the bat at the same time. And I'm like, if he's that good, then Bayern might just take him because that's what we do. But um, to the biggest game of this uh, match day, Bayern against Leverkusen. So, Bayern against Bayern. It was intense. I mean – the coming into the game, you have Dor- you had Leverkusen leading the league by a point. You have Leverkusen on top, and then Bayern and Leipzig tied, one point behind. And like it starts, and Patrick Schick just scores an absolute beauty. He comes off the corner, he hits it off the volley. Like there's nothing Neuer could do. Like you can be the best goalkeeper in the world, like Neuer is, and you're still not getting there. Um, but yeah, I mean. 
Leverkusen coming into this as well were undefeated. Same as Wolfsburg uh, last game they had against Bayern. Undefeated, and Bayern just showed up again, fought through. Yeah, I mean, the first goal was at the end of the first half, like the first Bayern goal. It's a cross in, and then like the goalkeeper, Herdeki, and I don't remember which was the center back, but they just go for the ball at the same time. Herdeki just leaves it go, like lets it go. They just stop. And Lewandowski, as like a few people said, like to give him credit, he was ready for that. He was expecting, like, if they mess up, I'm here. And he just like easily tapped that in with his head. And then the second goal is a last minute. This is literally at the 93rd, like it was 93 and 30 seconds, something like that. And there's three added minutes. It's a mistake. Joshua Kimmich comes back. He was starting on the bench. He came, like, his first game back, intercepts the ball, passes it to Lewandowski. Lewandowski just hits it, takes a deflection. But even if it didn't take a deflection, it was going in. Byron win last minute. And, I mean, they are what many people in, German, in Germany call the Wintermeister, which is the league leaders at midway through the season. So that's the position they want to be in. Like, they want to go in. It's been a great 2020, and this is a great way to finish it off. But something that did stand out was uh, Leroy Sané came in at around the 60, like 32nd minute, I think, in for – I'm trying to remember. It was for Kingsley Coman who got an injury. He gets subbed off. And then he gets – Sané gets subbed off, at, like, almost like in the 70th minute, something like that, for Jamal Musiala because they needed a win. And so there's a lot of like speculation of what was going on, but I think Flick, uh, Lewandowski, Mueller all said it, like he needs a little bit of time to adjust. It wasn't anything personal. It was just like, we needed a win. And at the end of the day, Luciala hit the post. He was very close to scoring. So I think that's not going to go to anything bigger, but yeah, I think Sané needs time to get used to the Bayern team. And as a Bayern fan, I want him to get adjusted because you got Gnabry, you got Musiala, you got Sané, you got Kingsley Coleman. That I'm set for, like, we're set for ages. But, yeah, that's for Bundesliga so far. Bayern at the top, Leverkusen, Leipzig, both tied with 28 points in second and third. And then you got Wolfsburg in fourth with 24, Dortmund with, 25, with 22, and then Union Berlin just right behind them with 21 points. So, it's tight at the top, but we'll see what happens as the league progresses. But now, another tight league, Serie A. So the biggest game this week was Sassuolo against Milan. We talked a little bit about how Sassuolo has been showing up, like, incredibly. Like, this is not – it's similar to what Atalanta did, and we said that last episode. But Milan right now, top of the table, 28 points. Sassuolo in sixth place with 23, so it's still – it was still a pretty, like, pretty evenly matched game, even though one's in first and one's in sixth. But Milan extended their undefeated run. There's only two teams in, like, the top five leagues so far that are undefeated, which is Juventus and Milan. Juventus also won two great header, uh, well, one great header by uh, Cristiano. But for Milan, it's the fastest goal scored in Serie A history by Rafael Leal. It took him 6.2 seconds to put it, like, to put it in the back of the net. Is incredible, and then they score, and they score twice. They actually had one other goal right after that. I got disallowed because of an offside, and offside like at the very, very start of the play. So, but still, Milan coming on top. That's the biggest news right now for Serie A. 
they're still league leaders, and but Juve are close behind. And I mean, the title race in Serie A is also also pretty pretty close. And I think moving forward, you're, they're gonna have to be careful because I mean, there's teams like Inter who are one point behind them who are not gonna play any more European football, and that's like how the schedules are done. Like it's gonna be like very very important for them to have those breaks. So we'll see what happens, but. Now, moving to League One, uh, as I call it, uh, League One, Uber Eats. Yes, it's the I'm, – I'm supposed to take French next semester, so I'm kind of worried if my professor ever hears that pronunciation. This is why I didn't take French, too. I only took French one, and I struggled with everything. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's going to expect me to be able to pronounce that. I'm going to be like, it's the Uber Eats League, which is actually true. But um, Lille against PSG, it – was zero zero great exciting wow but it similar to the game against um for Bayern against Leverkusen whoever won this or if it tied if it tied or Lil won Lil is going to remain top of the table PSG won they beat top of the table nil nil Lil top of the table and I mean to be fair it's actually pretty pretty close like so far this um this season because you have Little number one, but you got Leon in second place right now, tied in like in points. The only thing is goal difference, and then PSG in third with two point with one point under them, and then you got Marseille with like twenty eight points, which is five under a little and Leon. So it's a pretty exciting season, which is very like. Here's the thing: when we're talking about Serie A, has been exciting. Last season was exciting, but Juventus usually just takes it off. Bayern, there's, the past few seasons have been exciting in terms of how Bayern have managed to win it, but Bayern win it again and again. But PSG not being in top, like because Juventus isn't, but they're pretty close. And so is PSG, but we're not used to seeing that in France. So it's going to be interesting. But now jumping to Spain, La Liga, Barca 2, Valencia 2. Uh, the, nobody really cares that much right now about how Barca has been doing, but Messi does equalize uh, Pele's record for goals for a single club, which is 643. And there's a lot of people saying this guy, uh, Pele, a few years ago said Messi couldn't hit the ball. So Messi purposefully missed the penalty so he could hit the back ball back in from a rebound. So who knows? Maybe it's a little bit of a conspiracy theory, but it's also the first time that two U.S. players played against each other in the league, and I'll let you take that out. My oh, yeah. This, is, this was very exciting for me. So, Serginho Dest, 20-year-old, right back for Barcelona. We've talked about him a lot on this podcast. I'm a big fan of him, and so I'm not really going to talk about him that much. I want to focus on Yunus um, Musa, who plays for Valencia. He's an 18-year-old winger, and his story is kind of incredible. So, he was born in New York City in November 2002 while his Ghanaian mother was on vacation. All right, so both of his parents are from Ghana, on vacation. He's born in America. That's the only tie he has to America is that he was born here because a couple months later, he moved to Italy and he grew up there and he uh, began his career with a club, uh, Georgion, in Serie D. And then in 2012, he moved to London to join Arsenal's academy. And he later joined the England youth national team. And he ended up captaining the under-18 national team for England. 
But this is where it gets exciting. He made the transfer to Valencia, and he was called up to the U.S. men's national team camp in November um, because he was born here, so he's, he's eligible to play. And he started in two friendlies against Wales and Panama uh, last month. And he is eligible to play for four countries, Ghana, England, Italy, and the U.S. I mean, what a choice. Like, those are four of the best teams for a player to have, to choose who you want to play for. So that's, that's just mind-blowing to me. Uh, and he just signed an extension through 2026 with Valencia earlier this month. So he's definitely a name to keep an eye on. Uh, be sure to watch him. I've heard so much good stuff about him just from following scouts and stuff like that. So be sure to keep your eyes on him. And it's just really exciting to see more young Americans making breakthroughs in these European leagues with these huge European teams. And I think the future looks pretty bright. Yeah, and I think we can talk a little bit about that further on uh, moving forward with the podcast. But to wrap up for La Liga, Atletico and Real Madrid are tied at the top as this um, half midseason comes to close. Uh, I don't know what you want to get, guys want to call it, uh, but Atletico has two games in hand. So they're tied in points, but Atletico has the chance to take a six-point lead. So as, as we said last last episode, La Liga is a mess in terms of like their whole like logistical thinking. I don't know what happened in Spain and what happened there, but yeah. Um, yeah so, I was just about to ask you what exactly happened, but that answers my question. <laughs> yeah, no. I have no idea. I thought this was going to get fixed by like, I don't know, by two games in, maybe, you know, move some things around. But no, they're still all over the place. And I mean, to be fair, now the only teams that's played like more games is Real Sociedad, who's played 15, and the, like the furthest one is 12. So it's getting better, but I still don't manage to find who they played against because everybody else has played less than 15. So I don't know why. Isocia has played more when they're still playing in Europe. So it's not even like, oh, teams playing in Europe have to play less. No, I don't I don't know at all. I'll I'll talk to somebody. I'll try to figure it out if you want. Yeah, we'll talk to our sources in Spain. Okay, but moving on to uh some news around the football world. Uh starting with the US, Weston McKenney, midfielder for Juventus, was named US soccer's male player of the year. Uh McKenney's twenty two. He received forty four percent of the votes, followed by Christian Pulisic with 27%, and Barcelona's Serginho Dest with 14%. He helped Shaka avoid relegation last season. Now he's a starter for Andrea Pirlo's midfield. His combined stats for 2020 between Shaka and Juventus, he recorded four goals, two assists, 29 appearances for Shaka and Juve combined. He is the fourth youngest recipient of this award behind Christian Pulisic, who was 19 in 2017 and 21 in 2019 when he received it. Landon Donovan, who was 21 when he won it in 2003. And Peter Verma, who was 22 in 1988, which is a long time ago. Uh, and he is the 26th different player to receive it. And let's be fair. We, we, as you said, he helped Schalke avoid relegation. I'm pretty sure Schalke are going to want him back because they had failed to win a single game this season. So Yeah, you know, but Juve is lo- looking to sign him permanently now. 
I mean, he's been a starter. He's been a starter in that star-studded team. So, uh, I if I was Andrea Pirlo and Juve's board, I would do everything I can to try to sign him. And if I was Weston McKinney, I'd be like, please, don't. Don't send me back. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, you don't want to be playing the top clubs in the world and then be sent back to Schalke, who, which historically isn't a bad team, but they're just, like, horrible. But, yeah. So, next news, United and City make formal offers for David Alba from Bayern. I mean, there's a lot of clubs that are interested, Barcelona, Chelsea, Real Madrid. And, I mean, the main thing, as like, most – and this is the main thing with Alba. He's not only a very good player and a very good center back. He's a left-footed center back, like, and, like, naturally at that position. He can also, like, fit in as a, like, left back. So he's extremely important. And for Bayern moving forward, when you play Davis, like, as a left back and he moves up, you can always switch in the lava to cover for him. So, you know, I see all these things and it makes me sad and makes me worried because I don't want to let him go. As a Bayern fan, I own Bayern. And I know the whole contract dilemma with him has been a main, like, a very big issue lately. And but yeah, I mean he is like seeking the wages of around three hundred twenty thousand euros a week, which is insane. And for someone who's like getting as old as he is, I it's gonna be hard. So, and that's also one of the main reasons I feel Bayern don't want to sign him because they don't usually do those things. They usually don't pay their players as much. Right now, I think the only two players are getting paid similar to that in Bayern are Thomas Müller and Lewandowski. Yeah, like if you were him. And you had all of those choices. Let's say you're you're set on leaving Bayern. Where would you look to go? I mean, depends. If you want playing time, you could honestly you could get playing time most of these clubs. But I mean, he's already scored for Barcelona. Oh my God, stop that! Stop that! That is um, harsh. United or City would be probably like the best teams. I mean, United wise you really wouldn't have that much competition no, not at all. in center. So, I mean, if you want to play, then that. And City probably would make some space for him. But, yeah, I don't – it yeah. would be one of those two. Yeah, for me, uh, just because he has all that experience with Pep Guardiola, and I assume Pep Guardiola loved him at Bayern, I would – if I was Pep and I was David Alba, I'm sure they're talking – um, privately, and I would be looking to go to, to City probably just because you already have that connection with the coach, that relationship, and you can probably fit in seamlessly with the team. But I would love him to go to United. We need all the help we can get defensively. Yeah. And speaking about all the help we can get, let's move on to Quincy Promise because I mean, he can get all, he needs all the help we can get. Let's be fair. Quincy Promise this time really poked it in, really stop it through. Stop that. Okay, so for people who don't know who Quincy Promise is, uh, he is a star winger for Ajax and for the Dutch national team. And JP, wanna wanna tell everyone what he did, basically, or okay. or didn't do it, what he supposedly did, allegedly. That's the word, allegedly. Okay, so he's allegedly involved in a stabbing, but. He's not officially, like, 
of charge or anything. So he did go to jail, but he got released because there was a reported stabbing in, I'm not, I don't know how to pronounce this, Abkun, Abkun. Yeah, it's a town south of Amsterdam. And there was a family reunion and it's reported that he got in a fight and with one of his relatives and he, he stabbed him. So that's what is allegedly, like what allegedly happened. I, he did get arrested, but is it, did it happen? Did it not? We don't, don't know. But I'm just going to say he poked it in. Yeah, and that's what his lawyer and what Ajax have been saying. His lawyer said that Promise was not on site at the time of the incident. Promise is fully cooperating with the investigation. And Ajax put out a statement to Fox Sports Netherlands that says, it's very worrisome, but being accused of something doesn't mean you did it. It is therefore too premature to say anything about it from Ajax. And I mean, he's back in training. He missed uh, training on Sunday, but now he's eligible to play, I believe, on Wednesday. So who knows exactly what happened. It's just you never really see this happening with professional footballers, especially um, at like the highest levels around Europe. You don't see it. First of all, you just getting the news somebody just stabbed somebody in a family reunion is probably one of the weirdest things I've ever heard. Like so far, not only this season, just I was like, okay, so the year's winding down. A lot of weird stuff has happened. All of a sudden, Quincy promised to stab a family member. And is that I'm like, what? What is going on now? But as we said, like, we still don't know. So we're not accusing him of anything. But um, that's for the authorities and his lawyers and everybody to figure out. But it's yeah, it's just, it's weird more than anything. It was just weird for me to wake up and see Quincy Promise stabbing people. It's like, <laughs> okay. I, mean, I know, I know a lot of people who stab people, usually they don't play professional football because you don't exactly. play professionally, not go to jail if you stab a lot of people. So, I mean, we'll just have to wait and see. But uh, back to, back to more news, Chris. Uh, yeah, so uh, U.S. men's national team uh, player Kyle Beckerman retired today after 21 seasons. Um, wasn't a superstar, but he started off as a, a starlet for the U.S. program. He was part of the initial U-17 U.S. men's national team residency class, which trains at IMG Academy in Bradenton, Florida every year. And that team finished fourth at the 1999 U-17 World Cup. So then, you know, there was a lot of promise, but I mean, um, it didn't really pay off for him on the national team overall. Uh, He earned 58 caps uh, throughout nine years and he featured in six tournaments. He won the 2013 Gold Cup and played uh, three games in the 2014 World Cup in Brazil. And he played for Real Salt Lake for 13 years. So, I mean... That's a great career, a very long career. So uh, congratulations to him. Congratulations on the retirement. And I have a lot of fond memories to look back on. And um, I'll certainly miss his dreadlocks. Yeah, that, that's the one thing. I hadn't heard he retired. And when I saw it, I was like, the first thing that came to mind was like dreadlocks. But yeah, yeah I mean, that's, that's a pretty decent career. I mean, there, it's not like, you know, messy, Cristiano stuff. But it's, I mean, it's a very solid very solid career 
that 2013 Gold Cup, um, to be fair, Mexico played with their B teams. That's that's probably what you want it. But hey, silverware is silverware. Up next is a little segment I want to call Americans on the Move. Because every week, <laughs> stop laughing at me. Every week, um, I just see more and more news about American players doing big things at big clubs in Europe. So I'm just going to run over it really quickly. So AS Roma have officially bidded uh, $9.2 million for Brian Reynolds from FC Dallas. Um, there's also interest from Juventus, AC Milan, and Marseille, along with a couple others. He's a 19-year-old homegrown defender. He was named FC Dallas's top defender, breakout star, and team MVP of this season. And um, he's part of the U.S. men's national team. And according to Fabrizio Romano, who's the head transfer journalist uh, in the world, uh, he writes for The Guardian and a bunch of other things, a sporting director in Italy told him that Reynolds can become the next Trent Alexander-Arnold, which is very high praise for someone that I have barely even heard of. What are your opinions just on hearing this? I'm not expecting you to have ever heard of him before, but just on hearing no, this. A friend of mine actually sent me like a post of it on Instagram, and my first reaction was, who's that? And then for our next uh, little news, my reaction was, again, who's that? But, um, I mean, it's good. Honestly, if I was him, you know, it's very good to have that because I think it's very, very different when you're playing, like, in Europe. Like, you'll be scouted by other teams, like, when you're in a team's youth team. But it's very hard for, like, a player that young from the U.S. to get, like, scouted by big teams. I mean, let's be honest. These are not small teams at all. But, yeah, I think Italy – and more if you're a defender – and this is just, like, going, like, not what it has to do with the impact it has with, like, U.S. soccer, which is huge. If all these players are leaving, it makes it a little bit more attractive for, like, the national team, like, moving forward. But just for him, if I'm being told I'm a defender, I'm being taken, like, a lot of Italian teams want me, I'd be like, this is probably the best learning experience you can have. Playing yeah. in Serie A as a defender is going to, like, oh, improve 100%. you by far. And if – yeah, and if Roma came and told me, like, we're going to pay you, like, absolutely nothing if you want to go and play for us, I'd go. So I'd be happy to do that. But, yeah, I think Roma would be probably the best choice. It's yeah. a good team, still not Juve or Milan, where you probably won't get the amount of time or experience. But at the same time, I mean, Rome Rome's a great place. So oh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Just, uh, personally, but. Yeah, and something. But I think of- it would be. Yeah, but and like speaking of that, there's something I forgot to add to this list of Americans on the move. John Luca Busio, who plays for Sporting Casey, uh, he's a homegrown player. He's a midfielder. Um, he's reportedly gained the attention of Barcelona, uh, as the Spanish outlet reported that the La Liga giants are keeping tabs of the 18-year-old. And that's some more extremely exciting news. And other teams that have inquired about him are Bayern Munich and Fiorentina. And, I mean, if he goes to Barca, that would be really exciting. You'd have three Americans on the team, Sergio Dest and Conrad de la Fuente. And, like, like you said, it's hard for Americans to really gain the attraction of all of these giant teams while you're playing in the MLS. So it's just really exciting to see these homegrown players moving on to uh, brighter pastures, as one might say. 
Yeah, and I think um, there was a report, um, ex-Barcelona player said that he had suggested Alfonso Davis to Barcelona and the board's reaction was like, he's Canadian, he's probably bad. So, I mean, it wasn't literally that, but it was among those lines. Um, so, you know, maybe they've learned their lesson and they're like, okay, if they're good players, it doesn't matter where they come from. So, I mean, Davis absolutely destroyed Barcelona. But, oh, absolutely. Um, so, here's the other one. Uh, the US 19 year old US men's national team midfielder Owen Otisawi. Thank you. I didn't want to mispronounce it. He made his first Premier League start for Wolves in a 2 1 loss to Burnley today. He made his debut in a 2 1 win over Chelsea last week. So, and he had an assist. So, what do you think of everything going on? Well, there's one, one really interesting and very important thing to say in regards to Owen Otisawi, and that is that he didn't start playing the beautiful game of football until he was 14 years old, and he's already starting in the Premier League, and he's been playing for five years, and he's younger than both of us. So how does that make you feel? It makes me feel like if I knew how to take goal kicks, I'd probably play in professionally, but I can't. So uh, he's <laughs> also, I'm also not a striker, so I'm like in those like situations, I'm like, I'm fine, but you know, Donnarumma still makes me mad. So <laughs> it is, we do have to like point something out though. He like, he played for Wolves and I'm still sad because uh, Ro Jimenez broke his head against uh, David Please, which I mean, in, in a way is good. It gives more, I mean, he didn't necessarily play in the same position, but you know, it opens that opportunity for other players. So, I did just want to mention that because I've been um, Roel Jimenez is recovering and he plays for Wolves and they're both from CONCACAF. So, yeah. connection. No, but it is, yeah. It's bad that Roel Jimenez broke his head, literally broke his head. He is yeah. recovering, but it's also good because it opens more space for other players to just like fit in. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a gruesome injury. But, yeah, it's nice. Well, it's not nice. And that the opportunity that is presented to them with Raul Jimenez being out is nice um, because, you know, they get game time. And um, fa- like Fabio Silva was able to come in today and score on a penalty, his first Premier League goal. He's, uh, I think he's 18 years old. He's from Portugal, but just like most players on Wolves. So, that's yeah. Portuguese player in Wolves. That's, that's new. No way. No way. But, yeah, so that's all the news now the preview for this week you want to take the premier league yeah i'll take the prem and you can take everything else so huge huge games uh this weekend uh we'll start it off with man united versus leicester on saturday uh the 26th boxing day if you are in the uk or canada or any kind of countries like that so man united in third place leicester in second and whoever wins this will either retain their place in second place or will go into second place. And they'll be right behind Liverpool. And Man United have uh, a game in hand on everyone, basically. So they have a game in hand against Leicester. They have a game in hand against Liverpool. If they manage to win this game and then they win another game and say Liverpool loses, then Man United have a chance to be in first place. And um, same thing with Leicester. If they keep winning, they can be title contenders as well. So this is a really important game 
And both teams are coming off of big wins. Leicester against Tottenham, United against Leeds. Um, I know Leeds wasn't – people might say they weren't that tough of an opponent, but it is a derby, so it's always a big game. And speaking about derbies, the second and last Premier League game that I say you must watch this weekend is Chelsea versus Arsenal. It's a big London derby, and you might come up to me and be like, Chris, why would you want to watch Arsenal play? They're in 15th place, and at times they look worse than Sheffield, who only have two points on the season. But that's because it is a big derby, and usually teams show up for big derbies and big rivalries. Um, and Chelsea's looking good. You know, they won today. Tammy Abraham picked up a brace against West Ham, who are another really good side. And what I'm really interested to see is how Arsenal performs, if they'll pre- play well for Miko Arteta, try to save his job, try to save their seasons. Because, hey, at the end of the day, not there, there's no team in the Premier League that's always safe from relegation. Any team on any day any season can be relegated if you don't perform uh, to the level you're supposed to. So it'll be interesting to see if Arsenal are going to try to, you know, really combat that. And on the Chelsea side of things, Timo Werner, you know, a huge signing for Chelsea this year. Um, He started off really hot and now he's just, he's seeing that the Premier League is the most physical and like the toughest league to play in. Um, he came out in a statement and said that, I think, before today's game. He's really struggling to get back into it. So um, it'll be interesting to see how he plays. Yeah, and now from the Premier League, we're going to Germany. The season, the Bundesliga is over for, like, this half of the season, but we still have a few cup games, and one of those Dortmund against Wolfsburg. They're currently fourth and fifth, Wolfsburg fourth and Dortmund fifth. And, I mean, Wolfsburg has had a good run. They had an undefeated. He did run until Bayern beat them 2-1. But Dortmund is not in a good position. They just sacked Lucien Favre for, I mean, failing to do anything important and impactful. And then getting absolutely destroyed 5-1. But that's uh, that's not the thing. The thing is, Dortmund, it can be surprising. They are missing Holland, but they have good players and they can be a good team. But Wolfsburg might just be in a better form. So if they win, this is going to be huge because I mean Dortmund going out this early on in the cup is going to be like massive but you know the Pokal always has surprises there's always like surprising games and stuff like that and it is a cup game and cup games are very different from league games because it's all or nothing so I really can't predict who's going to win this but I think it's going to be a very very good game Serie A Milan against Lazio is the biggest game of this match day, it's against uh, it's on Wednesday, sorry, not against, but Milan first, Lazio in eighth. Lazio can jump very high up. I mean, they need a combination of results. If Roma were to lose, they tied Roma, like, if they win with 24 points and already nestled from eighth in, like, around fourth or fifth. But Milan, Milan had been on a run, like, great form, and they're still just one point over interest. So they're going to want to like make sure they get those points they need to stay on top. I think in my opinion, if you ask me, they're two very big teams, very like historic teams in Italy, but I feel that Milan might just get this one. But I mean, Serie A also, anything goes, like anything can happen in those games. La Liga, biggest game with Letigo against Real Sociedad. 
It's first against third, yes, but Sociedad has like just three points below them, but they have played like three more games, which is a lot. And I mean, if Atletico wins, as we said before when we were talking about La Liga, they can jump, like make sure they're safe, like by like six points. Right now it would be by three over Real Madrid. So, I mean, Atletico, who's been incredibly well, like, in the league, non, I mean, Champions League, they, after they lost 4-0, they really never regained good momentum because they scraped by. They managed to win. Like, they were comfortably, like, in second place, but it was kind of hard until the last game. And, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a good game. I think Atletico's and Simeone are just going to pull through. If they have to, like, block in the back and just, like, wait it out, they will, and they've done it a thousand times. So, wouldn't be anything new, but I think Atletico should take that. And then, and league on uh, Lille first, Montpellier seventh. Lille could just like secure first place at the end of like halfway through the season. But Montpellier has a lot to play for because if they win, they can close like a huge gap because they are very, very close there. They're like three points, they're six points away from Lyon and Lille. But if you close to 30, that's probably going to put them in like, like fourth place. Yeah, that's only two games, and then you're tied with 33 points. Yeah, and, I mean, that would be, like, absolutely huge for them. So, I mean, you're never going to just give up in the league game, but there's always teams that have much more to play for. And usually, like, if you're mid-table, you want to do as best you can. But when you're that close and you're like, if we win this game against the league leaders, like, we put ourselves in a much better position, as well for European football. So, it's going to be a great game, but I think Lil is just – been better so I mean it's also easy to just point out who's on top of the table and say like they're gonna win so I mean let's be honest that that's easier to do but yeah I to be fair I haven't seen enough league on to know what's going on yeah I don't think any of us really watch league and religiously but yeah before we close out this podcast I want to give a very unshameful plug to your new podcast uh do you want to talk about it Oh, yeah. So we started, me and a friend started a podcast in Spanish called Fermet Matin Football y Football. Sorry. And, oh, you know, balancing those two languages, are, it's kind of hard. But it's basically very, not necessarily news wise. It's, we get some news, but mostly like fun little topics in football. Mostly it's going to be in Spanish. So there's a lot, you know, Liga MX. There is stuff about Europe. And there's also going to be like South American football and everything. So if you speak Spanish or just want to practice it or actually just care about those leagues, feel free to go. Fernet, Mate y Futbol. And yeah, I, I appreciate that, Chris. Yeah, of course. Though. Yeah, that's very exciting. Uh, and uh, yeah, we should start doing more debates on here. We, I, I, I got very, um, not, not heated, but debateful, is that, if that's a word, on the last episode. I was like, no, Jurgen Klopp he deserves to be the best manager, and I enjoyed it, so we should do some more debating. Um, yeah, but there's... What's up? Put up a list of things, and I'll debate. I can debate anything. Skip. Okay, yeah. We'll do that. Maybe we can do, like, two episodes a week, one with just news like this, and uh, a second one just us yelling at each other. <laughs> Over Zoom. Yes, with a little bit of delay. So it's me yelling at you, then like seven seconds rest, and then you yelling at me. <laughs> that, that sounds like probably the best uh, sports show in history. 
it, it, like the delay like even if it's in person you have to have the like seven second delay you're you know you have a timer you're like okay i can go <laughs> but yeah that wraps up everything we have for today once again thanks for tuning in to episode 11 of the golden boot podcast i can't believe we have that many episodes already yeah thank you to everyone who has listened so far and uh we'll be back next week with more topics more news about world football so once again i'm chris williams and baby rios and that's been all yep take care guys we'll see you next time